Welcome to Back of the Grid for the Austrian Grand Prix. My name's Chris and I'm joined by Tom. Hello. And by Stu. Hello. Uh, I have a feeling it's going to be another big episode, so we should probably just get going and and hope for the best. Kick into it. Yeah, given that it's another very warm day and I think the last episode we all lost about five pound in weight just from (laughs) being in a sauna. Yeah, at least there's like one less person in in the room there with you, Chris. That is true. We're not like shacked up. in our own spaces. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Right, let's start with uh, qualifying uh, where Leclerc took his, is this his second pole or his third pole? I think it's his... Yeah, really good start. I shouldn't have even said that. Nice to bring up a stat that you didn't really know. (laughs) I started speaking, then realized I didn't actually know and hoped one of you would just jump in with a fact. He had pole in Bahrain. Has he had a pole since then? I don't think so. No. So his second pole position uh, (laughs) with a new track record, one minute, three seconds, 0.003 from Hamilton and Verstappen. Uh, although Hamilton uh, was one of a couple of drivers to get a three-place penalty for blocking in qualifying. It was Hamilton blocking Raikkonen, which it was fairly slam dunk, wasn't it, that one? He was yeah, just... Was silly. I, there's, there's a little bit of logic to what he was doing, but it it wasn't the right thing to do. It, it, like, Yeah, it was, it was an obvious penalty. Though. Halfway to nowhere, wasn't it, really? Yeah. Uh, and then Russell was the other one for blocking Kvyat. Yeah, that um, was, that, I'd say that was definitely more of a penalty, that one. Um, it was unfortunate for Russell because his team didn't tell him all the information that he needed in order to not block Kvyat. So essentially what happened was around the second to last corner, I think to eight, eight? There's nine depends turns, how you count them. Some people say 10, some people say nine. So it's eight or nine. The second to last actual corner, um, He's coming around there and uh, the, the engineer comes on the radio and says, um, watch out for Kvyat is coming. And Albon goes past him after oh. he said Kvyat. So he thought for a moment that Kvyat had already gone by. And then he, yeah. I guess he assumed that he'd slowed down because Albon slowed down ahead of him to go into the pits. Right, right. So, so he starts sort of... Looking at the so footage, he, that makes perfect sense because he does... Because he's in the wrong uh, place. He does yeah. slow down and move a little bit, but yeah. So he's then, moving back out onto the racing line, yeah. and then Kvyat whips around the corner and, and blasts past him, and then he realizes, "Oh, poo! <laughs> I've, <laughs> I've just blocked someone." I'd I'd watched that as well, and I'd, it didn't even occur to me that um, Albon had gone through before him. Because yeah. Yeah, when you watch only, the onboard, it is quite obvious that that's what's happened. But yeah, I only figured it out today. I only figured it yeah. out today when I was that's um, unfortunate looking at onboard things. If it was yeah. anything other than the other Toro Rosso, it wouldn't happen, I guess, would it? But that's it. And yeah, I think Toro Rosso, you know, you'll buy like, and assume you're good. I was saying, I was saying um, on Saturday. I think the reason Hamilton got his penalty is because of this. I think if this had not happened, then Hamilton probably would have got away with that because there was no actual. It didn't have an effect on anything, but the yeah. fact that this mm. block caused caused real issue and it meant that they had to issue a penalty, then you can't issue a penalty for this and then not issue a penalty for almost the exact same thing that happened um, earlier on. So it, this is the re- I think this is the reason why Hamilton got his penalty weirdly, I, perversely. 
I don't think this is the first time we'll be talking about penalties setting precedents this episode. <laughs> no, exactly, exactly. Uh, most notably in qualifying was that Vettel didn't set a time in Q3. He had a broken airline in his engine, which meant he was unable to get out. So after penalties, he had to start down in ninth place, uh, which was a real blow because Ferrari had looked very quick all through practice. I think they were very much planning on a front row lockout there. It was mainly ridden by Leclerc, though, the speed of the Ferraris. It was, yeah. He was absolutely the fastest basically all through the weekend, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Over a single lap, yeah. 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 Um, on to the racing, I guess. Uh, Verstappen in front of um, what looked like about 5 billion Dutch fans had <laughs> maybe the worst start of his career. <laughs> um, hashtag choke or what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Antisol kicked in, dropped him to eighth on the first lap. He also picked up a flat spot on the first lap for good measure. So that's a, about as bad as it can get without actually retiring. Norris, meanwhile, what a start he had. Yeah. yeah. An amazing start. Just picked his way through the first corner, side by side with Hamilton up to... Well, he got past Hamilton, didn't he? He was running yeah. third for the first couple of corners. Yeah. He looked comfortable as well. He looked absolutely comfortable. Yeah. I think it shows his calibre and his potential, to be honest. The fact that going wheel to wheel with someone like Lewis and then it being completely unfazed by it and willing to keep the challenge to him and basically say i'm not going to be bullied out of the way because it's you like i will fight you as hard as i'd fight anyone else on the grid yeah it does show his caliber and his mentality which is all all good things yeah now now i've got i have a question about this Mm -hmm. should norris have started ahead of hamilton in the first place (laughs) oh god we are we going for this are we i'm i'm happy to go i'm happy to do a little bit on this if you want to initially i thought because because i guess the the controversy came from the fact that Hamilton got a three-place penalty and on the actual grid, he was two places lower than where he qualified. Yeah. Now I've read how they work out the grid penalties these days. I understand that and it does yeah. make sense, but... It, it it makes sense in that context. But yeah, but for the average in, person watching a race, it looks it like absolute yeah. nonsense. It's, it's, well, to I think to anyone, even if you know what it is, it's it's just such a weird rule. It's such a weird way of applying the rule. Like to anyone, surely if you get, no matter when the penalty is applied, surely you should be penalised by three places. That's a three-place grid penalty, not a two-place grid penalty because someone else has had a penalty before you. It's so strange. Well, it came about as a result of the... the crazy penalties they were giving out at the start of the hybrid era where you'd get like five or six cars all given penalties that sent them to the back of the grid and then it's like what order do you apply the penalties in decides the grid so they brought in the system they currently do which is where say you qualify 15th and get a 10 place penalty you get moved to an imaginary 25th place on the grid and everyone yeah. else who's given a penalty gets moved to these imaginary positions. And when they're in that order, then they shuffle them back up. So yeah, that's why, because Magnussen also had a penalty, Hamilton ended up initially dropping to, I guess, fifth it would have been. Yeah, yeah but there then would have been an open was a... space underneath yes, him. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, the, the Formula One rulebook is like Japanese knotweed, isn't it? It's been... <laughs> So it's just spread so far that every time they try to pinch off a a problem, they just make 10 more. Yeah. It needs a proper sort of, you know, 
bit of a start again. Yeah, yeah. yeah basically. Just just go back to basics a little bit, isn't it? Like it's got yeah. so complex that rule. It's like there's there's lots of rules inside Formula One. Again, wider problem. Say this a lot. There's a lot of rules in <laughs> Formula One that have have sort of spread sort of really thinly and really strangely as a result of strange decisions having been made in the past. And if they're going to change the rules, if they're going to keep changing the rules over the over and over again to try and fix sort of meter small problems why not just go back to the drawing board with some of them and and just clean them up tidy them up a bit it feels like a lot of it's lots of patches over a a big leaky tank of water isn't it and yeah you can't just keep patching these things on eventually you need to just get a a new new water tank yeah (laughs) (laughs) this metaphor (laughs) got a bit weird but get get the knotweed expert in that's what you need yeah exactly um yeah, back on Norris, it was, I think, like lap three or four as well. He went sort of a couple of corners side by side with Vettel and again, just looked completely unfazed and gave it some really hard racing. Um, yeah, really, really, really impressive from him. Um, as a result of all that, Mercedes actually found themselves second and third, which I doubt they expected. Um, <laughs> but they basically had to manage cooling issues from lap one. They... Um, they both they've admitted they both just straight away dropped back from the car in front so Bottas dropped off Leclerc and Hamilton dropped off Bottas in turn just to manage the temperatures they were lifting and coasting apparently as early as 400 meters before some of the corners at certain points Ooh, in the race no 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 that's not quite right that's not quite right <clears throat> is that not that's, right no it's a it's that's a 400 meters total over the lap that makes slightly more sense. It's still a lot of lifting coast, though. It is still a lot, but yeah, if you were lifting and coasting 400 metres before... The, that actually would like, be the whole straight almost, there, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's like half a kilometre. <laughs> Imagine trying to roll up to turn one with your foot off the throttle for 400 metres. As like, soon as I said that, you'd I was never like, get that's there. a lot. Yeah. I, I read that earlier and I was like, that can't be per corner. <laughs> yeah, okay, that makes a lot more sense. Um, but yeah, regardless, lots of managing cooling that was basically their entire race um which i mean it's a shame for mercedes but i guess it made a more interesting race the rest of us didn't it like yeah we finally found a weakness (laughs) yeah we need need they have to be in the middle of a heat wave several thousand meters up a uh, mountain for them to uh struggle yeah i think it's a weird combination isn't it it's uh thinner air because of the altitude combined with heat means no cooling for them a perfect storm for them or the opposite i guess <laughs> yeah let's, let's let's hope for the british grand prix we get a scorcher at that as well because not only yeah, will we get a great race but it'd be great weather for when we're there yeah woo. yes after being sat in alton park for a weekend this weekend i'd say just no thank you my head hurts <laughs> <laughs> more than enough sun it's very i'm very red right now <laughs> vel had no such problems he worked his way from ninth up to fourth fairly quickly um but I guess this is a good time to talk about our favourite thing, tyres, because both the Ferraris started on softs while pretty much everyone else, at least everyone around them, started on mediums. So they were kind of having to manage their tyre life quite early on. I have read one interesting theory as to why that is. With them fully expecting to lock out the front row, were they expecting to, whoever was leading after the first couple of corners, let them go ahead and manage the tyres at a nice speed while the other Ferrari just backed the pack off a little bit. So mm, they had that maybe. extra space and time to manage the tyres. It feels like a very Ferrari strategy to do that, 
Whether Vettel would have been happy doing that for Leclerc, I don't know. But the other flip side to that theory is if you're so confident on locking out a front row, why would you not just do it on the mediums like everyone else? That is else the flip side, doing? yeah. Yeah, like, I, 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 I it don't just really seemed buy... an odd decision. It was a very strange choice. Yeah, I don't buy the uh, one one car hold up the others um, strategy. I, I think by in doing that, you'd kind of work your tire. Everyone else's tires less hard as well, because yeah, it's true. Actually, you're sort of relying on them fighting you if they're going to do that, and they'd just they'd get past you. That there's you wouldn't be able to hold them up. I don't no, think. probably It'd not. It'd be very difficult because you can yeah. overtake on this track. So, Yeah. Um, either way, it put Leclerc in a pretty tricky position having to manage those tyres to obviously a two-stop would have been a disaster. Although Vettel did end up two-stopping, but for uh, fastest lap reasons. To no avail. To no avail, no. Most <laughs> <laughs> because he was busy fighting with Hamilton. Yeah, so despite that, it was actually Bottas that pitted first uh, on lap 21. Vettel went in the same lap as him, but if you heard this there was obviously a disaster in the pit stop it was basically because the pit crew half of them were using wireless radios and half of them were using wired radios and one of the two didn't work at that point in time so only no. half the pit crew got the message vettel's on the way in which is why no some way. of them got yeah some of them Should... got up and started moving the rest looked very confused and as a result yeah. they weren't ready for him and vettel had a six second pit stop and they actually probably would have jumped Bottas at that point had that not happened because they came in together. Um, Bottas had to get held slightly as he was coming out of his stop as Vettel went past. There's a good chance mm. I'd have jumped him there. Wow. Um, yeah, bit of a mess, really. That but is it, unbelievable. It just sounds like it was just some kind of tech issue was the and, only reason for and it. And the thing with that as well is, and I'm jumping ahead to results here, but another lap or two and he'd have probably had Bottas for a podium. Yeah, definitely. That That's easily those five seconds that were wasted there. Or, well, the time that was wasted there, regardless of what it was, was enough for him to get past Bottas realistically. So that that was a podium that they've cost themselves with that. Yeah, definitely. The, the crazy thing about that for me is, A, I mean, from an operational standpoint, why are they on two different kinds of radio? Seems weird. Team? That's a strange decision. And B, why is there not a fail-safe for if the radios all fail at once? There yeah. should be a big light in that pit, in that um, room that says we're doing a pit stop now. Yeah, something. Yeah. You think so? Well, I, I guess the thing is if they made the call to pit halfway around the lap as they normally do, that would have given them time to say, why are you lads not moving anywhere? We've got a pit stop to do. But I think because they literally made the call at the pit entry, it just they had no time to, to yeah. fix that issue. But you're right, like you'd think there'd be a fail safe. Well, I imagine there'll be a fail safe in there for the next race. Yeah, because... next week there'll be a, <laughs> yeah. Silverstone there'll be a fail safe. Yeah. That's if there isn't, then I mean, will there be a fail safe in there? It's Ferrari. They just they don't <laughs> seem to admit when they make mistakes, do they? So No. Well, it, it was mm. them that pioneered the traffic lights in pit stops, which came in the race after um it was after Massa drove away, I think, in Singapore with the uh, the fuel hose still attached. Oh, yeah, it was I remember that. Literally, the next race, they turn up with the traffic lights, which pretty much everyone else has adopted now. So, yeah, wouldn't put it past them. Mm. Um, so then, another decision that may you could argue have cost Ferrari was that they pitted Leclerc on the next lap to presumably to cover Bottas. Um, did they need to cover Bottas at that point? Like. They had the measure of the Mercedes, surely, at that point in time. 
I don't think the Mercedes were much of a threat at any point. Not like, at all. Obviously, it's not like they're slow, but they were not a direct threat to Ferrari, I don't think. Mm. In hindsight, they weren't. But at the time, it's hard to tell. You don't know whether they mm. were slow because they were managing tyres. Because, you know, Bottas never I dropped guess. beyond like three seconds down from... Um, it's true. From Leclerc. So it could have just been that he was managing his tyres and then he was going to push, push, push in that clean air behind it. If Bottas has had clean air behind it, he'd be able to cool his car much more effectively. So they were a threat. I think they were a threat at that point in the race. Um, but while they were following, they were much, much less of a threat because obviously they just couldn't get the cooling that they needed to uh, to really yeah. push. I guess at that time as well, Ferrari wouldn't have known that they were going to yeah. struggle on the medium tyres quite as much as they did. Yeah. yeah. Also, that. all the yeah, all the hard tires, I should say. Sorry. Um, yeah. So then, I, see, this is this is why for me I enjoyed this race so much because uh, we had all those pit stops, and then Verstappen and Hamilton just stayed out for another ten or so laps, which meant we had these kind of two or three diverging strategies that all came together at the end. Yeah. Um, Hamilton probably could have actually got back into the race for the podium if not for. Uh, a cracked front wing that he picked up a few laps before he pitted, which meant he had to change that, which basically dropped him completely out of contention. He seemed to be running over curbs a lot, though, didn't he? There was a period of time where it felt like every lap we got a replay of him bouncing over a sausage or a baguette here or there. Mm. I don't know if that was just him overcompensating for their struggles, or I don't know. It's it seemed, You don't see Hamilton making little mistakes like that as often as that. Very often, mm. do you? Yeah, it's, it's, that's a tough one. I think I don't. I wouldn't say it's hard to say that he was making mistakes. I wouldn't say necessarily that he was making mistakes. Cause it, I suppose turn one, he, he had a few wild moments during this che- during hammer time um, around the mm. pit stop window. Then he, he started pushing really a bit a lot harder, and um, you know those, like you say, those mistakes could have been down to the fact that it, he did have the damage on the wing, and and they were causing. That, that could have been causing them issues. Yeah, it it might also be like with Chris suggesting like overcompensating. I guess if you're having to sort of coast into a corner a lot slower than normal, he maybe is trying to overcompensate and get out on the power a little bit earlier to to make up some of that deficit in a way. So maybe there is a little bit of something to that. Just trying to see yeah. how how quick he can get out of the corner and maybe pushing it a little too far on occasion. It, it wouldn't be too much of a stretch to assume that's what was going yeah. on. Either way, it doesn't sound like either Mercedes driver had a particularly fun time driving those cars this weekend. No, they sounded like miserable cars to drive. Well, for a Mercedes <laughs> sounded like a miserable car to drive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so then I guess let's, let's get to the meat of this. Uh, Verstappen <laughs> left the pits on tyres 10 laps newer than everyone ahead of him. Uh, 13 seconds off the lead, 39 laps to go. Um, he asked for more, more engine power and they basically said just crank the engine up to full beans um, and go for it. <laughs> there was one, there was one moment where he complained of losing power and we thought it was going to be... Yeah, mm, I was so... Good old Red Bull. was in my mouth now when that, I heard that. I was yeah. like, no. Someone posited a theory to me about that. Oh, yeah? They, they were wondering whether that was gamesmanship. Trying to make teams think that... Yeah, because he yeah. immediately overtook Bottas after saying that. Yeah. I just wonder if he was trying to get um, get the, get the Bottas's engineer in his ear uh, to say, 
it's possible you know, Verstappen's coming he has an issue yeah possibly I can tell you 100% because I checked that that didn't happen the engineer didn't get on the radio to Bottas because okay. I've listened to every second of his radio today <laughs> so if it was a ruse they didn't fall for yeah. it and I can tell you listening to a whole two hours of team radio it's not great content <laughs> sounds pretty dull yeah it's, it's, it's not good podcast material um <laughs> So stick to this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Verstappen picked off Vettel and Bottas with, I would say, relative ease. Vettel put up a half-decent fight the first time he attempted it. That sort of went side-by-side side down the hill to turn four. Um, but then next time he just DRS passed him. Bottas basically didn't put up a fight at all, did he? He just sort of stayed to the racing line through turn three. Um, yeah. All... The whole race, actually, if you watch Verstappen up at the the turn three uh, hairpin, he just seemed to be able to take, like, he, he just cut into that corner so much better than pretty much every other car. Like, he's turning, and he was clipping the apex perfectly every time. That Red Bull looks so impressive through there. Mm. Like, that was where he was making most of his time. It, up, made, it made him huge gains on most people who was chasing it did, yeah. each, each interval, yeah. Definitely. Oh, well, yeah, that, that's the that's the biggest traction zone on the track, isn't it? Yeah, really. That's, exactly. That's, yeah, that's the biggest place where you're gonna make up any time on the entire circuit. You know, like those, yeah. that big stop and that um, that big traction zone afterwards. If you've got better grip and you've got um, better traction out of that corner and better brakes on the way in, then yeah, that which he had because he had fresher tires on. Then yeah, yeah, that's where it's gonna. That's how he did it. That is how he yeah. did it. You're right. Um, and then he caught Leclerc. Um, so <laughs> lap 68, once again at the turn three hairpin, um, he went up the inside, Leclerc hung around the outside um, and Leclerc actually on that occasion seemed to get slightly better traction and obviously the Ferrari straight line speed helping as well. He outdragged him into turn four. Then lap 69, Verstappen tried exactly the same move. <laughs> um, this time, not giving as much room on the outside. Mm. Uh, the two of them, Bump wheels, Leclerc ends up running off the track um, and Verstappen takes the lead. Nice. Um, three hours later, the stewards finally decided that it was a racing incident, um, said that entire blame can't be attributed to either driver. Um, obviously, Leclerc and Verstappen had very different opinions, as did Christian Horner and uh, Mr. Bonotto at Ferrari. Um so yeah, I guess I guess we need to get into this, don't we? Discuss, yeah. <laughs> can let let's just start with like a one word from each of us, penalty or not. You can go first, Chris. You've got a massive opinion on this. This sounds like we are all on the fence. And I'm hosting, so I'm not gonna go first. I'm gonna make you go first, you. Oh god. If I had to, if you had a gun to my head, I'd say penalty. Tom? I'm gonna say no. I am Don't you dare sit on the fence now. Gun to my head. I would just lean to penalty. Just. Do you want okay. me to defend myself then? Um, if you want to do As that I'm the way, only yeah. one that's going no. So <laughs> yeah, that move in that corner is exactly the same move he did previously, and that he did on Lando Norris. And there's no difference for me in either of the time that he did it. The difference is, is that Leclerc wanted to fight it more and didn't want to give up that second time. The first time he was in a better position to fight it and did so successfully. The second time he just didn't want to give up as much as 
the he wasn't willing to give it up basically, and he fought it a little more than maybe he should have. Um, and I think that's what it comes down to. In in the same way that we were all on the fence about you know what should and shouldn't be a penalty under the rules for Sebastian in Canada, and you know a lot of people came to the consensus that maybe it was a penalty with the way the rules are written, but maybe the rules should be changed so that it wasn't a penalty in the first place. That's what this is to me. And it's I'm not comparing the two incidents because they're different, but what I'm saying yeah. is that it's a perfect example. And I think that's why I, I'm staying in the same mindset as I am for the other one, which is whether it's with the letter of the law or not, I don't think either of them should have been a penalty. So that's my, I guess, my form of consistency that everyone asks for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I can, I can very much understand that. Mm. So, um, um, my sort of counter to that, I guess, if we're talking about consistency, I a couple of weeks ago said that the consistency argument was nonsense. Mm-hmm. But I think this is one of the rare occasions when you actually can use the consistency argument because when you sort of look back at other races that have um that have been here uh, incidents at that exact corner at almost exactly the same point in a race a couple of years ago what was it 2014 the Rosberg Hamilton um incident yeah where Rosberg ran him out of road and um le- i guess he left him run out of road but still he ran it the incident was they wheeled they banged wheels he was run out of road and um, Rosberg got a penalty, so almost almost an identical incident occurs this weekend, and um, Verstappen doesn't get a penalty. That's that does seem straight. It seems yeah. strange to me. But the the difference for me between the two is that Rosberg pretty much went straight on into that corner. Max didn't. Max attempted to make the corner. Ooh, Don't get me wrong; but- he closed the door, but he he still made more of an attempt to make the corner exactly well, I think the same he, as he did on Norris. I think he opened up the steering angle to you know to push him out. I think it's clear when you look at his onboard is his his uh, yeah he does understeer a touch but he also straightens up the steering wheel just enough to push push Leclerc off which is and that's when they banged wheels. And that's not how you should, it's not you're not supposed to do that. That's that's not racing man. That's that's like you're shoving someone wide. His elbows out. It's it's about as Verstappen as you get, isn't it? Really? Yeah. This that's kind of. I'm I'm still super on the fence. I can't exactly like. I totally get the argument that you have to be able to race, and that moves been done a million times, and the person being overtaken knows when to see the position. Leclerc was like defending it as hard as he possibly could. It's all understandable. However, if that's not a penalty that sets the precedent that to overtake someone, you stick it up the inside, make zero effort to make the apex whatsoever. Yeah. Bang wheels and head for the curb on the outside. And I don't think that's how you should be overtaken in Formula One. And that's the that's the point where I have an issue with it. Because you know in a race or two's time, there's going to be another overtake where people bump wheels and someone gets run off the road and we're going to straight away get that, oh, if this was a penalty, then that should be a penalty. And if this wasn't, this was an argument. And yeah. it's it, I think it's back to what we were saying a couple of weeks ago, isn't it? It's another thing where the rules are maybe not fit for purpose. 
But I, but I agree. How you fix those rules, I don't know. I agree with that, but also from from the other point of of it is that Leclerc did not need to turn in anywhere near as sharply as he did, and he he almost put himself in that position. And mm. I think that there's an element of that from him as well, where that's what I'm talking about with the defense, like. He did not need to go for the apex like he did, especially considering he knew Max had the inside line, which is why I think it's six of one and half a dozen of the other. I think uh, they're both as bad as each other for it, realistically. I don't know about that. I, I don't really see what Leclerc did wrong myself. He, he, I feel like he sort of, it was yeah, he was on the outside. He had the outside line. He was probably off off the clean line a little bit. Um I'm not saying he turns it in on Max, but what I'm saying is he puts himself in the awkward position that then well, comes. That's racing. Exactly. Exactly. So no penalty. There. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's true. That's racing. We just said it. <laughs> and I'm not. I'm not saying Leclerc's in the wrong for doing what he's done. No. I'm no. saying that that's why it's not a penalty for me because he's put himself into that position. Yeah, well, but that's the key. Where's he supposed to go? Where's he supposed to go though? Where can it, where well, do exactly I mean... the same as what Norris did? Compare, honestly, compare Leclerc Viva Stappen to Norris Viva Stappen. Norris doesn't make the turn in <laughs> that Leclerc does, and like secedes the position because he knows that Verstappen has parked it on the apex. And if you compare the two, you can see kind of what I'm talking about. I guess with the way that Leclerc turns in to try and defend and hold on. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with what he's doing, but what I'm saying is that that's why it's not a penalty for me. Yeah, because I think they're fighting each other as hard as each other. I don't think Norris is fighting as hard as Leclerc because Norris is not going for a win. No, Norris sorry, I mean the, the, them two. I'm like the Nor- the Norris thing is just Norris knowing to give up. Yeah, but that, well, that's the difference, though, isn't it? Because Norris is always going to give up that that position because it's not his race. He's not gonna. It's not a race he's ever going to win. It's going to just cost him time if he starts dicing with Verstappen, and it'll, it'll cost him. You know, it's such a tight midfield that you need all the points you can get. And if he's messing around with the front runners in a race he's never going to win, then it's just going to cost the team. Whereas Leclerc is going for a race win. Yeah. So he's going to put his car in in the most difficult place as possible to, to prevent. Verstappen from taking the lead and he's got absolutely every right to do that without being barged off the track yeah but if he does it he runs the risk of there being made contact yeah he does but it shouldn't be that he runs the risk of being barged off the track contact's fine but if you're pushing someone wide off the off the track then that's that's not fine so, so I mean at that point I would also to like change the framing of it slightly, I would also argue that, I mean, for one, Leclerc maybe seeing Verstappen coming up the inside would have been better off cutting back underneath him and trying to repass down into four. But to be honest, I think knowing what Verstappen tried the lap before, Leclerc should have been on the inside going into that corner anyway. Yeah, it's, it's a bad defensive position yeah. in the first yeah. point. Yeah. He should yeah. never have been out there from, on the outside route at one, all. That is, and that, that's what that's I mean true. about the, the replay of it. Like, it is exactly the same thing he'd already tried. And he got a better run on Charles the second time round. And it was just it was just a bad defence. It, uh, uh, it was a poor decision in the moment. Uh, yeah. You're right. You're right about that. But that does not give Max Verstappen carte blanche to go pushing cars off the track. But if you but try then, and drive around the outside of someone, you you're always running into a closing door. Realistically, 
Like, and if you leave, if you're going to leave the door wide open, especially to Verstappen, he's on the always inside. going to go up the inside of there. <laughs> yeah, I'm sort of playing devil's advocate a little bit here and flip flopping, yeah. but I know, I know, I know. I'd like to say I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to say either of them in the wrong, and that that's my point is neither of yeah. them are in the wrong for what's happened. I, in my I, opinion, if if I was going to defend Verstappen, I'd say he definitely did have a nose ahead at the apex, so you, you could argue that he had the corner. I think that's that's the best defense you could give him mm. at that point and that does absolve him because if you once you've got the corner then you can position your car wherever you want and that's absolutely fine and i think that's what the steward the way the stewards saw it right? yeah although that being said if you watch the the, the overtake and the instant bef- the lap before he was actually further ahead on the exit on the lap before than he was on the lap that he made the pass as they were exiting the corner on lap 68 he was he got a full wheel ahead of leclerc's front wheels whereas the same points on lap sixty nine, and they were obviously wheel to wheel because they banged wheels. Yeah, mm. and like, and j- just for the record, because it was mentioned, I've actually just been watching Rosberg versus Hamilton twenty sixteen, and honestly, Rosberg moved to the outside in a straight line. Yeah, it's yeah, very, yeah. very different. He turned Which left to right hand. Yeah, he yeah. exactly. Yeah. He turned left and literally hit him. Which I that think is... is why I th- I would say they're very different. And right, you well, can't true, compare the two. That is true, but to the letter of the law, he caused a collision. And causing a collision is a five-second penalty, as we learned, as we, yeah. as we know. There's also the leaving a car's width rule that yeah. it seems one of these things that sometimes applies, sometimes doesn't. Yeah. It's, it's another inconsistency, I guess, isn't it? Mm. It's, um, I don't think it's one we're going to be able to solve. I don't think we're ever going to agree either. I think, and that's, I think probably, fact, that's probably why it goes down as a racing incident. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it comes back to uh, like to compare to say let's say other sports. So a lot of sports go to let's say video replay or whatever you want to call it, like a third official, fourth official, umpire, whatever sport it is. And if there's not enough to like majority overturn a decision that's been made at the time then the decision that was made at the time stands and i think this maybe falls into that category where if you if you're playing american football cricket soccer football whatever if those video decisions can't 100% prove that the decision on the field of play or whatever it is was wrong at the time it stands and i i think that's yeah. where this has fallen that they can't definitely say that it's either driver's fault for different reasons, which is the reasons that we're arguing and debating about now. <laughs> like we're, yeah, yeah, we're yeah. still talking about the same things and it wouldn't surprise me if they've <laughs> had the exact same conversation as to why it should and shouldn't be a penalty. And the agreement has to be that it's neither or because they can't without doubt say one or the other. Well, this is it, isn't it? They've got, they've always got this, this, um, this sort of uh, I don't know this 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 safety net to fall back into, which is racing incidents. <laughs> mm. It feels like whenever they can't make their mind up, ah, oh, it's a racing incident. <laughs> but you, yeah, you can very much argue that that's what it is, and I'm I'm still very much on the fence about it. My, my biggest issue, as I said, is the potential precedent that it sets going forward. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm more on the fence now than I was <laughs> before we started recording. I, I think the, the the big difference for me, having gone back and just quickly watched that 2016 thing while we've been talking, is when you watch the two side by side, one is a very clear attempt to stop someone overtaking you by putting your car in the way. The other one is more of an aggressive but 
more or less okay overtaking move like a stern yeah. but acceptable to some degree racing yeah. move uh, well, and that's I, I, the I difference because he, he at least think, tries yeah, to make I think the we can all agree. In the first point <laughs> yeah i think we can all agree that rosberg's incident was absolutely yeah he did turn left at a right i think even the most diehard rosberg fans would say that was a bit ropey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah yeah they'd hold their hands up and be like in hindsight <laughs> actually probably, yeah it was probably a bad one that day <laughs> But th- yeah, this okay. So it's unfair of me to compare the Rosberg incident to this, but I'm still leaning ever so slightly towards probably a penalty as as well. Mainly because there were other penalties issued over the weekend. You know, during qualifying, if Hamilton's accidental, inconsequential blocking of um, of Raikkonen was a was penalty worthy, which is such a non incident to me, then. Mm. This is a far worse infraction of of sort of fair play and rules than what that was. So to me, consistency, if you're applying penalties for, for small things, why not? I think a big part of it is just political as well. A big part of it was at the end of the race, Christian Horner was running around setting the narrative that it was, you know, interviewing with everyone and his dog saying... <laughs> You know this. This was fine. It's bad for the sport. All this, that, and the other. If he gets a penalty, and whereas Ferrari are just all sat in the garage twiddling their thumbs, getting cross. Here's a politics-based thing for you to throw out there, like a little hand grenade. Hit me. They didn't penalise him because it was Austria, and there were so many Max fans there. Well, Boom. they definitely waited for them all to go home before yeah, they made the exactly. decision. <laughs> definitely, yeah. The place. Imagine the place would have been wrecked if so. Uh, yeah. Stripped him of that win. Here, here's the the question nobody wants to ask. Would the decision have been different had it been at Silverstone, let's say, or some other track that wasn't practically a home race for Max? Or uh, another way of putting it, which I've seen mentioned online, would it have been the same decision and would they have taken so long to make it had the same incident been between, let's say, Magnussen and Perez for 12th yeah. place? And would it have ended up being a penalty if it was the same incident happening in Italy and it would have given yeah. Ferrari and Leclerc the win back? Like, you know, you've got to wonder sometimes if those things come into question. They shouldn't, but it's always food for thought. People do. Conspiracy yeah. theory central. People <laughs> yes. do wonder. Um, do you want? Shall we wonder about that? Do, do we think it would be a penalty if it had been um, lesser, lesser <laughs> teams, not for the win? I don't know. I think that's... It's kind of a bit of a big what-if, isn't it? It's sort of a wild speculation at that point, isn't it? Um, Yeah, we're entering the realms of um, fantasy almost. Yeah. One more kind of way I do want to frame this, though, is should Verstappen have been putting himself in a position to be under investigation in the first place? The first thing I thought of was Brazil last year where he went yeah. wheel to wheel with Ocon unlapping himself completely unnecessarily and cost himself a win. And and like we've, we've talked a few times this season about how he seems to be much more mature and making better decisions. And this seemed like he, that went away a little bit. Like he, he was going to get him, if not that lap, the next lap. He, he, should he be putting himself it's, in the position to be banging wheels with people and getting himself... It, under investigation. It probably is the first time we've kind of really seen that side of him, I guess, isn't it? Mm. Since we talked about how we'd seen a lot less of it. So 
Yeah, what lap were we talking? Was it the 69th lap or something that it happened? 69 it happened, yeah, of 71. So we had a couple more laps to do it. Yeah, maybe that seeing the top step with a couple of laps to go was, I've got to make my chance now. But And maybe it made him a little bit questionable and a little bit desperate for it, maybe. But And would any other driver do anything different? It's it's a tricky one. Yeah. yeah, I think he was right to go for it. I think he, he's absolutely right to go for it while he's got the tire, while the tire's working for him. And yeah. you know, if he's if he slows down too much, the tire could cool down and and fall out of the window. So you've got to go for it while it's there. Um, does he? Did he necessarily need to do it the way he did? Probably not. Like he, I think he probably could have like waited another lap and then just got him. On a, he had such a, he was getting such a better exit out of turn three that he probably could have had him on the. He would have eventually had him anyway. I think he didn't have to do a yeah. last gasp kind of dive bomb down the inside to uh, to get the job done. But but then if you don't go for a gap that's there, you're not a racing driver, are you? So. Yeah, exactly. Give a driver a sniff of a a win, and they're always going to take it, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. Sure. Um, all that being said, we should say what just a phenomenal drive from him, regardless of the incident. Like, oh yeah, when he was when he was eighth on lap one it was well that's it Leclerc's going to run away with this because the Mercedes are nowhere and to come back and win that is just incredible um, he kind of got a bit lost in all the post-race shenanigans but that's also Honda's first win in F1 since yep. Button won for the works team in 2006 at the Hungarian Grand Prix which is yeah. wild mm-hmm. um, also nice of nice. Bull to let someone from Honda go up as well yeah, Toyoharu Tanabe, he's the F1 technical director at Honda. Um, I don't know if you saw uh, Gerhard Berger was on the podium and gave him a big old hug. The reason for that is he was Gerhard Berger's race engineer from 1990s, 1992, and he was also Jensen Button's race engineer during his <laughs> Honda days. So he has been around for years and years. So it's a really nice touch them to send him up. Yeah, definitely. Um, That's good. Did you notice he wasn't there for the national anthems? Yeah, he took his time getting up there, didn't he? It's because he didn't know where to go. That's the, <laughs> apparently, that said to him, go on, you can go up. And he went, oh, brilliant. And then realized he had no idea what the post-race um, procedure was at all and just kind of got lost. <laughs> and he just about turned up in time to get his trophy. That's amazing. Yeah. At least he made it. Um, just, <laughs> could just imagine him running around. I don't know where, I don't know where to go. Someone help me. <laughs> I mean, did we expect a few years ago in, in the McLaren Honda days to be seeing Honda winning a race? at this point in time it's it's a hell of a turnaround for them yeah yeah it's the red bull effect i think i don't think i do wonder given mclaren's performance this last few races i do wonder where they'd be with that ferrari engine now (laughs) uh, sorry with that honda engine now but yeah um, it's true actually but i don't think i I I still have to say i don't think they'd be on the podium if they were with mclaren no i don't think so either i do still think that it's the max factor rather than max factor the red bull <laughs> factor oh well it's as much the max factor as it is the red bull factor there because in no in no offense like to pierre in a disrespectful way but if the car is good enough for max to be doing what he's doing with it he should have been sniffing at a podium or something like that totally. realistically yeah and yeah, he was not there at all him. so he's getting lapped yeah getting lapped by him exactly so i think it's as much I'll, I've coined a term now, but the max factor is it's the Red Bull factor. <laughs> no. They they should have 
that they, they should have been one two on that they had by far the fastest car there yeah. this the fastest race car there this weekend and um Gasly's badly let them down there where was he, he finished up like eighth or ninth wouldn't he uh, seventh in the end seventh, he spent seventh, a good it? chunk of the race stuck behind uh Raikkonen um couldn't get by Norris uh signs was catching him towards the end we, we've we've defended Gasly quite a bit this season but you've got to start to wonder how long he's got left in that team yeah. at this point surely in his defense, I will. I'll defend him a little bit. In his defense, he's up against a lightning quick McLaren at the moment. Norris, who's ab- an absolute prodigy, and um, the old uh, the old dog um, <laughs> Kimi Raikkonen, who's no slouch either. So and and neither is Sainz. So he was up against probably some of the best of the rest drivers there. I'd say, yeah, on the grid. So it's never going to be an easy task for him. And if he's not got to grips with the car still, he is reeling Verstappen in slowly, but not quick, absolutely not quickly enough. He still needs a to lap be on down. <laughs> yes, yeah, still a lap down. He got lapped by his teammate. That is absolutely damning. Yeah, really is. Yeah, yeah. I worry for poor Pierre. I really do. Mm. Um, it's, 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 I'm just more disappointed than anything now because yeah, he was he so, so promising promise. coming through GP2. Like, the the year that he won GP two, he looked really good, and to be fair, yeah. in his time at Toro Rosso, he looked he looked better than what he does at the moment. So I mean, that fourth he had though. in Bahrain, like yeah. we were all saying, this guy is going to go all the way, and mm. not worked out for him. Yeah, mm. but but look at it this way: who are they going to replace him with? Definitely not Dan Tictum because he's gone. Well, yeah, we'll get onto that a little bit later. <laughs> we'll we'll talk Red Bull. Stable a little later on. What else? McLaren, sixth place and eighth place. Genuinely looking like the fourth fastest team on the grid now. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That comes back to what we were saying last week, where I was just hoping that they can do it at a different kind of track. And boy, did they prove it. Yeah, I mean, Signs started more or less last, I think. Where where was he actually on the grid? He was... 19th. He was 19th. 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 Not quite last. Oh, yeah, because of Russell's penalty. Yeah, he stayed out on the mediums until lap 41, which was like... 10 laps longer than anyone else. Um, and then his final stint, he was basically only second fastest of Verstappen towards the end of the race and just carved his way back through the field to eighth. Um, I think he actually picked up a little bit of front wing damage towards the end of the race. Otherwise, he'd probably have got his way past uh, uh, Gasly and possibly even Norris towards the end. Um, yeah. But yeah, absolutely storming drive for him. And Norris as well to hold on to, well, to best of the rest, which is... Yeah, super place. impressive. In what is what his sixth ever Formula One race? Is that yeah. how many races in Milano? It's mental. It's isn't crazy, it? isn't it? We're a bit, we've done a bit more than six. <laughs> I can tell you that. Much. Actually, it is more than that, isn't it? How many? How many are <laughs> we're we? Run round. Uh, run round. Silverstone will be round ten. This was round nine. Okay, nine. <clears throat> Even so, what else? Double points for Alpha uh, Giovinazzi's first of the season uh, at the expense of some of his hair. Did you see yeah. that? That was weird. What was all yeah. that about? Apparently, the that had team so- bus that- running around with scissors in his hands as well. Yeah, first <laughs> of all, don't run with scissors. Yeah, <laughs> smartest man in the smartest people in the world. They run around with scissors. Yeah, they had some like they've had some like pre-race bets apparently, and one of them was if he scored points here, he would cut his hair. So, uh, Frederick Vasseur chased him around the motorhome with some scissors <laughs> and cut a chunk of his hair off, <laughs> which was nice. Um, Haas just were bizarre. Magnussen qualified fifth out of nowhere. Um, Lost 
five places on the grid because of penalty, which they knew about. Picked himself up a penalty for not being in his grid spot pro- properly. And then just disappeared backwards and finished 19th, two laps down. And it looks, the team generally don't seem to understand when their car's fast, they don't know why it's fast. And when it's slow, they don't know why it's slow. They're just in no man's land, aren't they? Yeah, it, they've, they, they don't get their car. They, yeah. we, no. we, we had a brief discussion about this on Sunday morning, didn't we? They just do not no. understand how their car works. <laughs> they, yeah. It took a whole 12 laps for him to be last. Yeah, it was. Like, yeah. It's terrible. And then it was the, it, thing, it was the penalty, it, wasn't it? That really did him. Yeah, yeah, but even still, he dropped like a stone. Like he dropped from tenth to last place, and then basically just about managed to stay ahead of Kubica for like the back half of the race. And it's more the speed that he fell to the back than anything. Um, the yeah, and then just couldn't make his way through. Like it's. It's odd. And then Grosjean wasn't that dissimilar. He didn't drop, but he never gained anything other than no. maybe under pit stops and stuff like that. Like while other people were pitting, he sort of moved up position, but then ultimately lost it again when he pitted. So like, it just seems to go nowhere during a race, that car. And if anything, no. he started to go backwards, which is really, really odd. It is. I mean, I hate using Williams as a yardstick, and but with the greatest respect to Williams, Magnussen finished behind Russell. Yeah. <laughs> like, and and not because of any instance or anything. Like, yes, he had the penalty, but still, like, they should be, at the very least, beating Williams, let alone finishing behind everybody else. Yeah. It's tyres, man. It's tyres. They don't. They yeah. can't get their head around those tyres. That's what it is at Haas. Really, really bad news for Haas. Let's go on to what I think is going to be a, quite a tricky driver of the day. <laughs> Do we want to talk about the official driver of the day? <laughs> We could talk about the official driver of the day if they want. It, cool. did, you notice, you? did you notice the official driver of the day didn't show up on the world feed? Did it not? It didn't, no. Would that be because they finished three laps down? It might be, yeah, yeah. The driver <laughs> of the day the official driver of the day was Robert Kubica. <laughs> I I went looking on Reddit today to try and find like a Reddit thread where they were all like, wouldn't it be hilarious if we all try and get whoever's last to be driver of the day or something like that? Like it must be something like that that's caused this. I don't know exactly. It's definitely internet strangeness. It is internet yeah. strangeness. But I don't. I couldn't say for sure exactly what happened. Well, good on him, I guess. Um, who are we going to give our drive of the day to? Not Kubica. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I was thinking about this today at work. I, I, I reckon probably... For me, I think science to come from nineteenth yeah. to eighth is pretty, uh, pretty amazing. I originally thought Lando, and that I think that was mainly sort of my personal favoritism because um, <laughs> it wasn't exactly a bad drive, but it sort of made me forget about how far through the field science had actually come. So yeah. I think either of the McLaren guys deserved it, but possibly looking yeah. back in hindsight, science does deserve it more. Thanks I, I had in mind. <laughs> yeah, Norris definitely gave us the most hair-raising kind of moments at the start of the yeah, race, for yeah. sure. Like, it, he was super exciting to watch. Both of them were great to watch. There's, um, there's I think there's going to be more content lined up from Formula 1, judging on the races they had this weekend. Uh, Verstappen's yeah, so. worth a shout as well for driver of the day. Verstappen That's the thing, like... Blinding drive. It was an incredible drive. In a I Honda! Mm-hmm. 
I think it's just that overtake that's slightly soured it for me. It, I, if if he if he'd have just like blitz past him with a an amazing overtake or at least a clean overtake, I think I'd be in Verstappen's corner. But that and everything around it, I think, was just a bit unnecessary, and it kind yeah. of soured it a little bit. For it's me. a little bit of a black mark on it, isn't it? Like it as, is. As, yeah. mu- as much as I am in that corner of, I think the decision that was come to was the correct one. Um, it, there's still a bit of a black mark on it, and yeah. it's, I'm, I'm still of that camp that like driving through the field like Science did is just as impressive as yeah, totally. driving through the front runners to win it. I guess who are we giving it to? Who we do? We got to pick one, Science or Norris. I think it's. I think it's science for me. I can go for science. Tom, uh, it, like I said before, it was either McLaren driver for me. But if the majority is with science, I'm happy for that. Yeah, that's kind of where I am. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll go with science as well. Science it is. Norris a very close second. Yeah. Uh, move of the day. How about that? Mm, well, it's not going to be of... Verstappen on Leclerc, is it? It's not no. going to be that. <laughs> no. <laughs> we can say that categorically. <laughs> Um, I thought on the first lap, uh, Raikkonen around the outside of Norris into turn four was uh, pretty good. It looked like Norris had basically won that position, and then Raikkonen kind of stuck it along the outside and hung around turn four. That was that was pretty impressive. I thought. Um, I've also just written down Norris and Hamilton for the first lap because that was just some very good racing between the two of them, which yeah. is nice to see between a rookie and a five-time world champion. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. I think that's certainly the point of the race that my heart was the closest to jumping out of my mouth. So, yes. Um, I, I, that's got my vote for sure. Um, any others spring to mind? I don't know. I, quite, I, I think my choice would have probably been the the duels that Norris was having. So even though we, we talk about the fact that it's not necessarily always just a pure overtake, it's sometimes just general yeah. race craft and, and stuff like that. And that's kind of what this has become. So I, I think for me, it's that. It's probably me being really, really biased towards my <laughs> favourite driver, but it's still. <laughs> yeah, if you couldn't tell, we're big fans. <laughs> I, I, I could happily go with just Norris's general racecraft for those first few, well, first few laps, I guess. Up against w- Hamilton, especially. Yeah, I will add just the just the preview that we had this weekend of the races in the future that we're going to see. Like we've got, yeah, you know, Charles Leclerc against Max Verstappen. We, I think they said it in commentary, like he, well, he said it was a, a glimpse into the future. It was the future. That was like, yeah. the future is mm. now. <laughs> and, yeah. And we, we, we just saw it and it's so exciting to see. Is the, the biggest thing for me for this race was probably just seeing different, cars at the front was excellent that <laughs> was really yeah, really exciting it was made a nice change <laughs> really really nice change but if of the ones like we've got in move of the day there uh, yeah still norris and hamilton have still got my vote cool low it's for me uh and finally honestly what the f- are we doing here I, i've put two in here um i don't know if you two have got any more on your mind but um my first one is obviously the Cubits being driver of the day is kind of weird. Yeah, pretty weird. <laughs> that's, that's pretty WTF. Yeah. Um, my second one, and if you were watching F1 TV, you would have picked up on this if you were on the radio channel, um, was Ferrari at the end of the race. They thought Vettel had finished 
one position ahead of where he actually finished. <laughs> they thought he, they thought he, they thought he'd finished third, and he finished fourth. Really? Yeah, yeah. So the radio, they came over the radio, and um, they're going P three, P three, amazing drive, all this. And uh, Vettel goes P three. Did I miss something? <laughs> and um, the the engineer says. That's what it says on the timing screen. P three, your P three. It says it says on the screen, and um, then like a second later, he says, "Oh no, P four, the screen." <laughs> <laughs> oh Sorry. no! Oh, to which to which Vettel does not respond <laughs> no, <I'm> not <laughs> as you wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. so that's, that's that's a huge WTF for me. Not knowing what position you finished the race. That's in. a really good one. That's a good one. Very Ferrari of them as well, on brand. <laughs> um, I think aside from that, for me, it's many notable journalists mentioning no names, tweeting certain documents <laughs> that aren't real. That was like, what is going on here that nobody's checking this before they start putting it out as public knowledge? I was a bit... Yeah. Oh. That was so clearly a graphic that someone had made as well. That was mm. hilarious, that thing. Yeah, like, I mean, because I, I was on Twitch at the time, I saw that pop up just from an account I'd never heard of. I was like, this feels a bit ropey. The next thing I saw some unnamed, respectable F1 journalist sharing the same thing. I was like, really? And then I saw them all very, very quickly backtracking. Because apparently, yeah. apparently it's, it sounds like one, basically one journalist fell for it initially, shared it on a WhatsApp group with lots of other journalists oh. who then all just posted it because it was on the WhatsApp group is apparently what happened. Um, the big giveaway that that was like FIA document number 45 um, whereas the one that like had the final race results was number 70 something so it was already like clearly (laughs) incorrect Um, I do quite like Ferrari not knowing where they're finished though (laughs) it's really good isn't it it? I think that's the one for me it's a bit more of a light hearted one I guess isn't it there's some comedy to it at the end of like such a chaotic, dramatic race, to have that little sort of comedy button at the end, so fun. <laughs> yeah, oh. let's go for that. Yes, I'm so glad that cool. made it. Thanks, thank you. Uh, Stu, do you want to take through some predictions? Yes, I'll or give lack you a thereof. Rest. Oh, yeah, well, la- plenty of predictions, just lack of accurate ones. Um, <laughs> obviously, none of us. Uh, if you've checked the leaderboard, none of us got any of them right. Um, the highest scorer this week was Timothy George on four points. He was the only person who, who submitted predictions. Am I right? He's the only person who got more. I'm trying to open the predictions league. Um, who got more than uh, one. One. one point. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that is right. I've got it. finally got it open. And 16 other people scored points. Uh, the top three. Oh, I want to give an honorable mention to Angus Monday. Um, he got one point for no DNFs, and he could have got two points if he'd gone for twenty finishes, but he went for nineteen finishes. So he didn't. <laughs> he hedged his bets, and it cost him a point. Um, and, so close. Points in so the far. predictions league are valuable. When you lose a point yeah. like that, that's got to hurt. Not a, not a happy Monday for Angus Monday. Um, <laughs> the next uh, thing to talk about is the top three, and uh, we've got Timothy George uh, in number one spot. Um, with 17 points, Neil Hyde with 16, and Katie O'Brien with 15 points. That shows how valuable those points are, that Timothy George scoring four in a week where pretty much nobody else gets anything has escalated him to the top. Yeah, 
yeah, rocketed to the, top. to the top. And um, he's entered one less race than uh, all the ones around him as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, and in terms of the hashtag bot G boys, um, <laughs> I am <laughs> um, in the lead with nine points in 43rd place. And Chris and Tom are both joint 98th with six points. Um, Miserable. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's predictions. You can submit your predictions at backofthegrid.com um, and they go live after every preview episode a week ahead of the uh, the next race. Yes, and you'll probably do better than us. <laughs> Always. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, a quick little bit of news, um, only really because we've talked about him quite a lot on the podcast before. Dan Tictum, who was uh, part of the Red Bull Junior Program, has now been dropped by Red Bull um, and also dropped from the Super Formula seat he had. I don't want to dig too much into the details, but essentially he had he's, he's had a fairly ropey season in Super Formula so far. The last race he had a particularly bad weekend, finishing towards the back while his teammate, I think, was fighting for a podium. Um, and he didn't have particularly good things to say about his car and team afterwards. Uh, and he's since been dropped by Red Bull. His place at Super Formula is going to be taken by Patricio Award. Uh, you might recognise his name because he was in the bump day qualifying uh, alongside Alonso for the Indy 500, and he also failed to make it through. Um, but he's been part of the Red Bull programme since May. He's the reigning Indy Lights champion. Um, but he's having a lot of funding problems, I think. He drives for Carlin in IndyCar, and it looks like he's going to probably lose his seat for funding issues. Red Bull have said they're not going to fund his Indy drive, but they did have him. They found him a spot on the F2 grid for this weekend, uh, replacing Raghunathan, who was serving his uh, one-race ban. Um, he finished 19th and 14th in the two races, which not amazing, but given that he'd never driven the car before and I think never driven that track before, he's not terrible. Yeah. He went forward in his second race. That's always a good sign. Uh, he was actually rumored to be in line for a Toro Rosso reserve seat earlier this year, but I think he didn't have as many super license points as they originally thought he did. There's like a, you have to have a minimum number of entries in a championship to be able to earn super license points from it. And Indy Lights actually didn't have as many as it should have done or something along those lines. Yeah, I tried um, to look up exactly how many he'd got, but it's harder than you think. It's really hard to find super license things, isn't it? I was yeah. trying this a couple of weeks ago, and it's it's tricky work. It'd be nice to just have a list of who has what points so that it's accessible, but I guess there's maybe reasons they don't want that yeah. information out there. So, well, someone get on the phone to the FIA. It'd be good to have a register. For all the teams, it'd be good to have a register of what rookies it would, have yeah. got what yeah. points and who can run where. Sort it out, FIA. <laughs> But yeah, it, it looks like Award is kind of Red Bull's new hope for the future. Um, there's obviously been a lot of talk of Dan Tickton being the next driver to step up for them. That's obviously not worked out. So obviously with Gasly having his um, troubles at the moment, uh, wouldn't put it past seeing some kind of uh, shuffling around of the Red Bull seats in the future. Um, and Award is very likely to be a name you'll see mentioned in those conversations, I think. Yeah, probably. Yep. Shall we finish with some inbox? Yeah, why yeah. not? Jay Alexander says, do you think that the recent FIA inconsistencies with penalties and their application, thinking mainly of the incident in Canada and Hamilton's three-place grid drop, how much was Charlie Whiting behind the scenes with the decisions? So do we think that his now lack of involvement since his sad passing is maybe why there's an inconsistency now? But... Mm. I don't think so. I mean, all Charlie was ever really doing was applying the rules in the rule book, and he was never one of the ones making. Yeah, he wasn't. The he steward, wasn't, was he? Yeah, he wasn't necessarily making decisions uh, about penalties during the race. He was more 
deploying safety cars and things like that. Yeah. Um, Am I right in saying that? the race director can decide whether or not to put something in front of the stewards for the week. I believe so, yes. Because I think that's why a lot of drivers used to say, get Charlie tell to Charlie. look at this, tell Charlie yeah. to look at this, because he yeah, had yeah. the option to say, yeah, guys, have a look at this. There's a, there's a prob- there might be a problem here. Or I think the there race director has the final say. Yeah. Yeah, so, I think he's like the person that teams talk to if they want something to be looked at. Yeah, so... That's a better way of putting it. I think maybe more things are getting looked at because there are things where Charlie would have gone back and gone, no, you're not having this looked at, whereas the new race direction are, are maybe putting more things in front of the stewards. So it's maybe it seems that way. I, d- I don't know. That's maybe a, a thought on on it, but... I don't think it's that much different to normal, it's, really, is yeah, it? It's, it's, yeah, I, I, I've not really noticed any difference myself since since he passed away. I've not noticed really any difference in the yeah. studio. I, I certainly don't think it's anything... Um, I don't think the standards have slipped. I don't think, um, you know, anything's going any worse than it ever has. No. Ever. I don't think anything's got worse, I should say. Not that it was bad in the first place. Yeah, um, agreed. Uh, it's it's a it's a tough old job. It's obviously a tough job because they've taken multiple people to fill his boots. Um, and I would say that the fact that none of us have really noticed the difference yeah. is testament to how good a job they're doing. Yeah. Yep. I completely agree. agree. Uh, next, Brooke Archer says, "What a race! Best of the year so far, one hundred percent." The McLaren's place is pace is blistering. Would you say it's best race of the year? I think it might be. Yeah, for this season, I'd say it's up there. Like, I think it's better than Bahrain, and Bahrain was probably the best one up to yeah. this yeah. point. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Brooke continues, everyone knows I'm a Ferrari fan, and this should have been their third win of the season. Hmm. Verstappen's drive all through the race was unbelievable, but I felt like he threw away the maturity he'd shown throughout the race in the last few laps. The move on the club wasn't sportsmanlike. Zero racing room was given. And then to go on the radio saying he turned in on me was just childish. I meant to mention that earlier, actually. I did think that him straight away saying he turned in on me did sound a bit like an admission of guilt to me. But yeah, but yeah, there we go. But Brooke says, if you can't pass him on track without contact, then the pass shouldn't be completed. I don't believe that Leclerc should have given up the corner. They were alongside each other and equal. Verstappen ran a clear out of room. Verstappen would have gotten Leclerc on the run to turn four. So the aggression shown at turn three didn't seem necessary. Uh, it showed everyone the old Verstappen again. I want Leclerc to win his first race from... I don't... Let's try that again. I wouldn't want Leclerc to win his first race from the stewards' room, but the whole situation left a slight black mark on the race for me. Other than that, it was a banging race. Um, and I do agree with that. However you side on penalty or not, I think for him to win it three hours after the race from the stewards' room would have been... Rubbish. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he deserves a proper win. Like... Uh, Years and years ago, Fisichella's first win was like not done properly because they miscalculated count back and gave someone else the win. And then, like the week after, they had to hand him the winner's trophy. And it's like you don't want to see that no. ever, especially yeah. off someone's first ever win. No, definitely. Um, on on the on the Verstappen, just my final thing on the Verstappen thing again. I, I don't I don't want to go too far into it, but I'd say Verstappen did have the corner. Uh, on reflect like having spoke to you two and having had a bit of time during this this to think about it 
Verstappen did have the corner, and that's why there was no reason for him to open up the steering the way he did. He could have he could have got away with him down the straight. He didn't need to push him off the track, and that is why I feel like it probably should have been a penalty. But that's yeah, Tom. <laughs> yeah, I think if you're going to give that a penalty, then you come back to the fact that you can't argue that Vettel's shouldn't have been. I think that it comes back to it's like a, just a general standards of what we give penalties out for and what we don't. And if everyone starts agreeing that Vettel shouldn't have had a penalty, but think Max should, I think that it's, I, I don't agree with that. I think that it, nobody can ever say consistency because no two corners are the same, but yeah, I think that there's, there's elements of events that you can factor in. And that that's why I'm happy that it wasn't a penalty because I agree that Vettel shouldn't have had a penalty back in Canada. So, yeah. And I think that's why I'm ultimately sort of landing on racing instant probably being the best decision because whichever way you go with it, you're kind of setting a precedent one way or the other. Yeah. Um, you, you don't want to say this kind of racing is not acceptable and you don't want to say this kind of racing is acceptable. Yeah. And to say it's a racing incident with blame not apportioned either way, I guess is the most diplomatic way of dealing with it. Mm. Okay, here, here's where I am. I am 51% penalty, 49% not penalty. That <laughs> We're slowly how, dragging him onto yeah, the fence. That's how close I am, but I am still just verging on penalty. Yeah, that's 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 fair. That's kind of where I was flip-flopped. Yeah, I will happily hold my hands up and say, I, even during this, I've like been flip-flopping in my mind yeah. about whether it should be or not. Because, Tom, you, you make such compelling, convincing arguments. I th- and that's not- this is the thing, though. I think like the, the one thing I just want to make clear from my point of view is I'm in no way condoning what he's doing. I just think that it's very, 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 very close to being 50-50. And I think that mm. there are things Leclerc could have done differently to avoid being bumped in the first place as much as Max should have maybe done things a little bit differently to avoid coming into question. So I'm not saying Max is exactly in the right and I'm not saying Leclerc is hard done by either. I think that the reason it's a racing incident is because they both could have done things differently that would have avoided that incident. And that's why I sit where I sit with it, I guess is the best way of summarizing it. Yeah. That's uh, that's incidents. That, uh, can't speak. That's incidents, isn't it? Yeah, uh, things things can be avoided to avoid causing them. In yeah. The first place. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Should we? Shall we do the next one? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Max Fortune says only started listening recently, but now it's a part of my weekly routine. Oh, thanks, Max. Um, I would love to know what you do for work if it relates to F- and and if it relates to F one itself. Strange question, but I have been thinking about it for some reason. <laughs> um, we well, can, I think we can tell you, we can come clean. Yeah, well, <laughs> come clean. I'm I'm a web developer, a very very busy web developer, which is why the back of the grid website is terrible. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's why it does what it does do, but it's also why it doesn't do anything more than that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, um, a games, well, yeah, mostly games QA tester, which I guess is why the website sometimes has problems that I haven't noticed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, well, 
then I'm a um, graphic designer, which is why the website doesn't look as nice as it probably could. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, we're all at fault for something on the website. Yeah. <laughs> so in answer to the F1 element of that question, I work across um, different sports, different high-level sports, um, including motorsport. And I make stuff look nice, hopefully sometimes, for people there. <laughs> <laughs> Describe your job like a five-year-old. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I make website do. You make website pretty. <laughs> Chris make website not broken. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, there we go. Nailed it. Shall I do the next one? <laughs> Let's move on, yeah. Uh, Phil Mark says, a while ago I messaged you saying, is this the return of McLaren after they'd had a good weekend? And the three of you said, let's wait and see. <laughs> after this weekend, I asked the same question, uh, is this re the return of McLaren? Science and Norris had a stellar weekend. <laughs> wait and see. Um, <laughs> the, yeah, I was going to say, that's a good, good answer. I was going to say, it looks like this. it could be the start of the return of McLaren, doesn't it? <laughs> it's... It's definitely promising. It like we did when we did storylines last week. Obviously, one of them was will McLaren continue their form? And I do remember specifically saying we've seen them do it at one kind of circuit. Let's mm. see how it holds out at another. And they did hold their own and performed extremely well. And it's a good sign of a good all round car. And that's what they need to start standing out from the rest. Um, and it's it's still far from where they need to be as the team that they are, but it's the start of it. Like Stu says, I agree with that being this, this is the start of something that they can now build on and start moving forward. Fingers crossed. Yeah. I'm, I'm hesitant to get too confident with McLaren, but the, the ember of confidence is starting to appear for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but that's as far as I'm going to let myself go because I want to see them that's... doing much better. I so Phil, that. just wait and see. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next, uh, Cohen Verhagen says, just getting back from the superb Austrian Grand Prix, even in a Skoda Superb. <laughs> uh, my first F1 race I visited in real life. What a great experience it was. Uh, the past year's discussion is going on about the sound of F1 engines, uh, even make it loud away any way possible without changing the configuration of the engines. All I can say about this first experience, it sounds really nice, a brutal sound and loud enough. Uh, compared to the GP3 cars, which sound very loud and does not sound comfortable if they would race for 71 laps. Uh, what do you think? Should they change something about it except switching back to the eight engines? Um, he's right. The GP3 cars do sound like they're going to rattle themselves to bits. It, it is weird going to a Grand Prix and the support series being louder than mm. the main event. Then again, I guess World Endurance Championship is the same, isn't it? The GTs are much louder than the LMP2s yeah. and LMP1s. Yeah. Well, you've got to think sound is wasted energy exactly. in, a, in any engine. Yeah, well, That's why a, tur a turbo generates more power. And as a result, it's qu partly it's quieter. It's not the only reason it's quieter, but um, I think in terms of the sound of a Formula One car, we've we've all I think we all agree that the sound of a Formula One car is a lot tastier than it used to be. In that you can hear you can you, you can hear lots more different things going on. So you can yeah. hear like the wind of the you can hear the wind of the gearbox sometimes, and you hear the wind yeah. of the the you hear the whistles from the turbo. You hear all kinds of different sounds. Whereas before it was just this wall of V eight scream and while that in. yeah and while that is like to, to to hear that in person is 
is an experience because it, you don't just hear it, you feel it. It rattles through your bones. It's yeah. so loud. And these def- these engines definitely don't have that level of loudness to them. But uh, in terms of the depth and, and almost, it sounds like a really cultured answer, but in terms of like depth of the sound and the different things, you can even see, you can even hear the tires screeching yeah. and, mm. as they go around corners or the tires rumbling across the rumble strips, which is something that you would never, ever hear back in the days of the that's, V6s, uh, V8s. That's one of my favorite modern sounds, to be honest. Yeah, is when you get out wide on a rumble strip, especially sort of the bigger yeah. ones, is that like sort of as it just hits each hump in it. It just sounds. There's a lot of that this weekend, actually. Yeah, yeah, I, I love that sound. And as much as it's going to sound like moaning old man's time, but I prefer being able to sit at a circuit and have a conversation <laughs> with the people I'm watching yeah. the race with. And don't get me wrong, you still need to raise your voice. It's not like the things are quiet, but they're definitely not quiet. It's you couldn't talk at all during the older eras yeah. because it was constant. Especially once the field had got spread out and and you know a car was constantly coming past you, you'd got no chance. And I sort of settled for now enjoying what we have because it does sound awesome still. Um, and maybe getting a classic F one car coming round that's from an earlier spec that's got that engine for that just kick of nostalgia of wow that was such a cool sound when it existed but that's enough thanks for your five laps go back in the garage <laughs> yeah, yeah. As i like i'll never forget i went to the 2009 british grand prix the first race i went to and i'll never forget on the friday me and my brother walked out and it was uh it was robert kibitzer in the bmw Sauber, it would have been at the time the first car we saw in person he came past and like we both looked at each other like our mind's just been blown like the hairs in the back of their neck standing up like it's uh it's an amazing visceral thing to see one of those cars but then after about the first 10 laps of the race it's like all right i'd love to be able to have a conversation now or hear the commentary for more than a second and a half at a time yeah i (laughs) I think if you ever got the opportunity to see one um like on a a demonstration or as part of like a sometimes you get the supports and the support events are like a, a classic race in inverted commas because it's not a huge amount of mm. race and it's more just a procession show off of the cars yeah. and they're not running them at full pelt but it's still an impressive thing to see so if you get a chance to see that with the older engines i'd highly recommend it so you can experience it but i do definitely prefer what we've got now yeah my other main memory of that race um apart from the fact that we went there thinking we we're going to see jensen button win and it was the first time we didn't even make a podium that season <laughs> um was we <laughs> got there nice and early sat down for the race and then a few minutes later someone sat in front of us uh, and unwrapped themselves a brand new air horn and we looked at each other like <laughs> are you kidding as if it's not loud enough already first time they pressed it it just kind of went and some weird liquid came out the end of it and it Ooh. never worked again <laughs> we were never happy to see someone's brand new purchase break immediately yeah <laughs> i think i read somewhere that uh, one of the braun gps are going to be potentially driving around uh this year's uh, British Grand Prix, actually. <gasps> nice. Ooh. I'll have to look that up, but I'm sure I read yeah. that somewhere. Definitely need to be getting uh, some instas of that if that happens. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Uh, uh, next. Who's next? Next question. Um, Owen Finlay says, whose career is more in danger, Vettel's or Binotto's? Um, <laughs> oh, God, do I have to answer that? I, I don't think like either of them are in danger, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, whose is more in danger? Probably. I mean, if you, if you will look at it objectively, probably Binotto's, I'd say, because he's got kind of more to more on his shoulders. More on his shoulders. Yeah, yeah Vettel career-wise. Yeah. I mean, neither of them. Are, I mean, neither of them career-wise. Neither of them are in any danger. Formula One career-wise, probably Binotto is in uh, slightly more danger than Vettel. But I, I wouldn't say. They do seem to be getting on top of that Ferrari this weekend. It's just they lost yeah. out a little bit to to the, the unknown, <laughs> the unknown variable yeah. Red Bull. <laughs> Hashtag unknown variable. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, so that my answer, I guess, is kind of Binotto's, but not. <laughs> yeah, if if you had to pick one, it'd be him. But really, yeah, neither. but yeah, probably neither. <laughs> yeah. Um, the physical manifestation of Kubica's drive says, uh, good on Verstappen <laughs> for women. Mercedes is going to win the Constructors and Drivers Championship, so at least this will get certain news websites to shut up about F1 dying. Um, Grosjean does not seem safe this year. Even outside of the car being trash, he's shown very little life in race situations. In a theoretical world where he is replaced next year, who are the top contenders for that drive as of now? Would you see? Oh, sorry, who could you see driving a Haas in 2020? Hmm. Um. Hmm. Dan Tickton. <laughs> <laughs> no. Has re- Haas have much in the way of like young drivers these days? We've got they get Ferrari juniors, I imagine, won't they? Yeah, because obviously they used to have Ferrucci, but he um he disappears to America after his uh, indiscretions. Yeah, he's still in their young driver program, though. Interestingly, oh, is he? I believe so. Oh, he was. He was at the end of last year. I don't know if he still is this season. I think it doesn't. He drive the Haas Indy car. He definitely drive drove cars in Indy. Um, I must admit, ever since his antics, I haven't really followed his career. So no, I don't know for definite. Um, yeah. yeah, other than that, I don't really know, but. I'd maybe expect a Ferrari young driver possibly and a bit of a deal with them. But either that or, or someone with, you know, the, um, a North American vibe to them to go with the... Because they are obviously a proud American team, being a Haas team. So it yeah. would make sense for them to try and put somebody in the car that fits with that brand of, you know, we are an American F1 team and we want America to be behind us, it would make sense to have a North American driver, I guess. Or even a South American driver, like whatever, just someone from that part of the world, I guess. Yeah. I've just read something saying Gunter Steiner said that he was not interested in spending time developing young drivers uh, in 2019. So I guess they don't have any young drivers in mind right now. Mm, Interesting. But yeah, it's going to be interesting what happens with Grosjean and with that team in general. Yeah. Uh, next, uh, Stephen Edwards says, has failure in the race again. Renault, WTF. Uh, Max drove the best race I've seen in years. And the instant at the end, was it caused by Ferrari stuffing strategy yet again? I think so. P.S. Hi from Australia. Hi, Stephen. Hi. <laughs> uh, was it Ferrari stuffing strategy again? I think there was maybe, an, I think there was an element of that. I mm. still don't think starting on the soft tyres was the right choice yeah i think he would have had a better chance of defending if the strategy had been different i guess maybe max wouldn't have quite caught him or not caught him with enough of an advantage had it not been for that strategy but 
Yeah. Shoulda, woulda, coulda, though, isn't it? Exactly. Well, the, no, the thing, you're right about this. I think it is I think a lot of it is strategy. I think if he's got the, if he starts on the medium tyre, he goes another 10 laps into the race and then yeah. he's on equal footing with Verstappen while Verstappen chases him and he wins the race. Yeah. So I think they start on the wrong tyres, it costs them the race. That's my feeling on it. Yeah. It does stop him being in that situation, doesn't it? So, or definitely. In theory, it does. <laughs> so, yeah. Sam Van Outen says, Ghastly WTF lapped by your teammate? Question marks. Um, yes. <laughs> We've sort yeah. of already taught Ghastly. Yeah. But yes. <laughs> yeah. WTF that's, indeed. Yeah. Not. Yeah. I don't think there's much more to say about right it. No. Yeah, yeah. That's, I, think we've got, I think we nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> Next. Uh, the F1 debate says, for me, Max should have got driver of the day, but I have a question for you guys. Was this Max's best F1 race ever? And was this the best race of the V6 era? Whoa, 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 whoa there. Best of the <laughs> V6 era? That is a big, big, big... What have we got to compare it to? China was pretty good last year, Ricardo. Yeah, I was just about to say, Ricardo driving through the field was a good one. I wonder how many of these good races are going to be a Red Bull cutting through the pack to try and take a win and ultimately take a win. Yeah, it's true, actually. Because generally um, that is what causes the... For, yeah. for, for me, Max in Spain was a good one just because it was Max's first. And yeah. Think- yeah, so I was just looking at Max's wins. Um, obviously, Spain was a good one, but he kind of inherited the lead because of Mercedes. Um one of his two Mexico wins, he kind of inherited the lead because of Vettel and Hamilton. I think it was coming together. Uh, his Austria win last year was semi as a result of the Mercedes both blowing up. So he's kind of, of his wins, there's sort of three where it's been kind of all him. It's this one, it's his second Mexico win, and it was um, Malaysia in 2017 he won as well. Um, I, f- I think of the ones I remember, this definitely feels like the the best drive that he's done, despite what happened. I think he did drive better this race than I've ever seen him drive. Yeah, yeah I think so as well. He's the other two, the other two wins I mentioned, he sort of took the lead quite early and just drove away. Whereas this one, he had to like really fight for it. He'd had a fairly decent drive that year at um, America as well, until he stupidly cut the yeah. corner, didn't he? That was, yes. that was a, like a bit of a dampener on what had been a good drive for him again. Yeah. He doesn't win boring races, does he? No, he, he doesn't. doesn't get involved in like it's same with Ricardo. Yeah. yeah, Red Bull in general. Just don't I think yeah. I think that's races. that's the role of the poacher, if you'd call them that. Like, yeah, they're always on the cusp of the big teams, but not always quite on the pace of them. So they're always there to pounce at the slightest opportunity, which is what makes their wins interesting and exciting. But yeah, it's. It's definitely up there anyway. Whether it's the best of them all, I don't know, but it's definitely up there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, final one from Yanis uh, Hahn says, I think Sainz should have gotten driver of the day or at least an honourable mention. I think his great drive wasn't really noticed. And Marcus Ingham agreed saying Carlos Sainz simply an awesome drive. Um, and we agreed as well because we gave him driver of the day. Yeah. So There you go. Glad this was done for page. you guys, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> we all concur. Uh, and I think that is probably it for this week, isn't it? Uh, thank you very much, everyone who has got in touch this week and everyone who's uh, taken part in the Predictions League, even though almost everyone <laughs> scored next to nothing. Uh, please come back for more. 
Um, if you want to see how you did in the predictions league, you can go to backofthegrid.com where you can see uh, race results and the overall leaderboard. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can find our contact form on the website. You can find us on Twitter at Back of the Grid F1 uh, and Instagram and Facebook. Just search Back of the Grid and you'll find us. And that'll do us for this week. So thank you very much for listening and goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.